And welcome to the Confound Millennial, starring Stephen Sturvin Michaels and featuring special guest Christopher Thomas of Top Tier. So proud of what you're doing, wasting time while you're acting like it's all you aspire to be. Keep your problems away from me. Get out of my head with your sorry responses, your terrible losses. It's making me nauseous and it's getting to me. It's getting to me and I can't take much more of that. Hey, Chris, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, so I'm going to, I just like jumping straight into it, asking the hard hitting questions. All right. Later. Who are you? Well, uh, I am me. I am who I am. No, um, I'm 25 years old. Uh, I am lead vocalist and I play bass for Top Tier. Um, I'm based out of Miami, Florida, born and raised. Um, it's nice being uh, in constant tropical weather, but it also kind of sucks being in the geographic armpit of America. But that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I've been in this band four and a half, let's say about four and a half years now. Um, started with uh, just kind of, I, well, I introduced myself into the local scene by doing a lot of photography down here. Uh, that's just how I got my bearings of, you know, meeting people down. And, uh, you know, along the way, I photographed a buddy of mine's band. Uh, they played like two shows. And then right as that project dissolves, he sends me a message saying, hey, Chris, uh, I got a pop punk project opening up. Uh, I need a bassist. And in true bassist fashion, I never touched a bass guitar in my life. But, hey, you know, I played guitar. So that was enough to get me somewhere. Um and yeah, we uh, we were practicing out of my patio. We were literally the only member of the band at the time that like had an open practice space. Um, that project went by Heroes and Traders, uh, and then two shows in, you know, stuff didn't really work out with the front men at the time. So we were kind of uh, on the hook to play uh, play a gig, and you know, we had all kind of like shared vocals, but you know, I there really wasn't anyone to sing lead, and you know, we were set to play a really nice show at a at a venue not too far from us. And I said, well, whatever, you know, this is the only time I'm going to ever front of the band and have fun with it. And so be it. And if I die and fizzle, then we're going to go out trying. Um, but yeah, that project uh, played a show together and uh, we just liked the way that things gelled. And uh, about a month later, we ended up picking up uh, the other co-vocalist Felix. He's the guy with a long luscious beard in the ego trip video. Um, and that was about four years ago. And, uh, you know, we've pretty much almost kept the same lineup, uh, you know, minus one other change. But, you know, we're a sound group of brothers. These are the knuckleheads that I love to death. They're the brothers I, I, I wish I could have had growing up. And, um, you know, here we are today. We uh, were working with a label down here in South Florida called Apocalypse Records. And um, after two DIY EPs that we released in our own. We got our bearings of this new label and, um, you know, kind of the process of uh, recreating our sound, rebranding ourselves, and releasing content on a, on a much bigger level than what we could have been while doing it DIY. And uh, now we're here. Nice. Um, you know, you mentioned the first time that uh, 
you played bass, you know, you never played bass before. I I find that's a common uh, thing <laughs> with bassists is they usually start as rhythm guitarists and then somebody gets sick, somebody falls through, and it's like just play the top note. It's kind of how it was initially. It was just like well, follow the route and just kind of improvise as you go. And I said, all right, fake it till I make it. And um. I mean, to, to give myself credit, you know, I, I think I have progressed pretty well considering I went from like nothing to like here. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, since then I kind of just went all in. Uh, last year I bought my uh, myself a 20, excuse me, it was two years ago, got myself a 2019 Ernie Ball Stingray. And uh, she she's the love of my life. I can't, I can't switch to any other instrument at this point. So we already covered how top tier kind of formed uh what what was it like back then versus what it is now um i mean are we talking about in regards to like the pandemic or yeah well and regards to uh you know actually playing shows versus i'm assuming during the pandemic y'all have had more time to focus on writing music Absolutely. Um, I mean, I can I can say just like any other musician out there is that, you know, we miss playing live shows. And uh, yeah, you know, what, once the pandemic hit here, uh, you know, we had our first shutdown, if you will, here in Miami around like mid-March of last year, kind of around the, the, the time the rest of the nation did. Um, but it was it was it, it's unprecedented. You know, our all of our local venues down here, I'm not gonna say all, but I would say a good part of them, uh, unfortunately, did shut down as a result of it. Um, you know, the funding wasn't there or they just couldn't really make ends meet, you know, by other ventures, you know. Um, so, you know, I can say that Miami has definitely had a loss of venues, but that does not mean by any stretch that we, you know, the talent, you know, went inside there. Um, you know, Miami's known as mainly as like a, a scene where it's like a lot of Hispanic music, a lot of reggaeton, a lot of electronic music, you know, like, we're, we're known as a party city, but, you know, rock music, at least I would say in the past, you know, 20 years hasn't been like the cream of the crop, hasn't been like the go-to flavor here. Um, but believe me when I say, you know, the talents there and the DIY spirit has always been strong since I've been involved here in the scene. Um, you know, we, we do have our handful of like larger venues, but some of the biggest shows I've played at to date have been backyard shows, playing in someone's living room or, uh, you know, we kind of make do. Uh, when when Top Tier was taken off, uh, Felix and I kind of uh, took it upon ourselves to start booking our own shows. You know, I think uh, the best part of every scene is, you know, creating that, like, network of bands and finding that, like, circle of people that always want to come out to your shows. And, um, you know, it was before even I, I even jumped into music, I was very, very reserved, very shy, which I, I can't even imagine myself being that now. Um, but by, you know, wearing the hat of businessman and musician, you know, we kind of, uh, learned to kind of create our own little bubble of people and slowly, but surely expanded out. Um, you know, pandemic did put a big hold on that, but, you know, we've been able to go back to the drawing board, revisit old demos, do a lot of new writing. Um, and you know, we're, we're all just waiting for the okay of when it's, it is going to be decent to, uh, to perform, you know, uh. Miami is starting to really roll out a consistent program with vaccines. Um, we were first prioritizing, you know, elderly people and first responders, you know, rightfully so. Um, but now as we're seeing, you know, vaccines become more readily available, there's a lot of infrastructure 
uh, being created right now that everyone can just, you know, get their vaccine. And, you know, we're hoping maybe by summer that we'll start seeing a turnaround. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm one to say I'd rather wait until I know it's safe and things are done right than, you know, we're booking a show and or playing something where we're jeopardizing the health of our fans. And, um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but this is just how it is right now. And we have to wait and do our part and social distance, wear a mask, do everything we can. And, you know, when it's time, it's done. Right. Um, so uh, what kind of musical inspiration like what bands have inspired top tier to become what it is? Well, uh, we're like a nice little smorgasbord, uh, when it comes to our influences. Um, Felix and his brother Nico are very, very big on like the story so far. And, uh, they're, uh, we were really big growing up on like set your goals and a day to remember four years strong. You know, the, the first iteration of top tier was very like, like easy core. If you want to call it that. Um, you know, my roots kind of came from your really, you know, your early two thousands pop punk. You know, I I grew up listening to to Newfound Glory and Green Day and Sum Forty One and um, you know Mayday Parade, All Time Low. I think I've always been more of the fan of like the popular side of like the punk rock stuff. And Felix and Nico and our drummer V Rye kind of had those like heavier roots for their influences. So uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all love pop punk music. We all just kind of take a different branch from the tree. And then we all kind of just mix it together and create the sound that we have. Right. So you guys would classify yourself as pop punk. Yeah. I'd say pop punk alternative, you know, it's, it's, it's 2021. Anything says and goes now. <laughs> Hell, we got, we got MGK and young blood and mod Sun putting out pop punk music. So I love, I love having a band on and, uh, you know, they come up with some five word genre for it. And I'm like, you mean metal? And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Post yeah, I'm not, I'm not modern hardcore progressive uh what <laughs> but uh <laughs> progressive pop punk. post like melodic uh avant-garde pop punk <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know what music you know we know what inspires the band now but what inspires you like what are you listening to when like today what kind of music were you jamming to earlier today well, I mean, I just mentioned it, but uh, I was, uh, I really like how we're seeing this crossover of like hip hop artists delving into this realm of like pop punk. Cause, um, you know, we see the likes. I, I was listening to MGK, uh, Jaden, and Nothing Nowhere on the way to work today. And I was uh, talking to someone about it in this where uh, we're seeing, you know, and I hate to date myself, but we're seeing a lot of like things blowing up on TikTok where it's like, Oh man, only real emo kids remember this, and it's like friggin' Fallout Boy and MCR and the use. I'm like, dude, is this retro? Like, I was just jamming this like a few years back, but we see this like new wave of like alternative rock music, uh, and we're seeing how it's like starting to influence a lot of like hip hop artists, and it's creating this whole new wave of like new listeners and new artists and. You know, it makes me really excited to see what this like revival for alternative music is going to have in store for us going forward. Yeah, it's good for the music, good for the scene, but don't it make you feel old? Oh hell yeah, man! Someone told me like Green Day is like is like thirty years old now or something. Like they're getting up there, man. And like I remember, you know, sitting underneath my bed sheets with my PSP with uh, the bullet in the Bible playing, <laughs> and I have my little headphones on. 
I don't know, man. The, the, the love of the music is still there, but damn. It's like I asked, I asked somebody a couple weeks ago what their if they remembered, you know, they were kind of emo. And I asked him, do you remember the first time you heard Black Parade? And he was like, yeah, I was jumping up and down on my uh, parents' bed nine years old. I'm like, nine years old? <laughs> yeah, man, Black Parade. I came out in what, oh, oh, six? Like 15 years old now. Yeah. Like uh, with me the other day, I saw that uh, the Phantom Menace Star Wars is 20 years old. I'm a nerd. We're nerds here. Um, and that brings me to a question, actually. Does the band Top Tier have a resident nerd? Oh, man. I wish we had a Felix in here for that. I know he he lives and breathes anything like Star Wars. He's he's big anime head, too. I know when we're not writing and he's not streaming, you're going to catch his ass like <laughs> binge-watching anime. Um, they've tried to suck me into it. I'm I'm not one to push it away, but I, I'm the type when even when it comes to like TV or like shows, like I will watch something if you convince me that we're gonna hang out, we're gonna see it together. I want to know why you're into it. Is I don't know. They, they, I'm not gonna say I'm like I'm always busy, but it takes a lot for me to just kind of like sit down and kick it and watch something on TV. Gaming, on the other hand, I mean I have a whole collection of retro games here, so I'll burn ask. hours doing that. I was going to ask what your uh, what the nerdiest thing about you is, but I'm going to take it that's retro games. It's, oh my god! See my my current um, collection, if you will. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to f- finish collecting every North American release N64 game because the N64 was like the first console I ever played growing up. That like PlayStation one, but I'll I'll, I'll keep N64 as the big guy here. Um, but yeah, right now I'm trying to get my hands on Conker's Bad Fur Day. Kind of more of the pricier games on the collection right now. But yeah, just this past week I was I'm over here looking at my corner, seeing my shrine of games. Um, you know, I was playing a little Mario Party last week, uh, Ocarina of Time, throwing a little bit of time in there. Glover, which is one of my favorite platformers. I, no one in the hell is going to remember what the hell that is unless you're like older, you're really into it. Um but yeah, man, I uh, have a big old collection of N64 games. Uh, PlayStation 1, um, spent a lot of time on Xbox Live back when it was at its peak. You know, Halo 3, COD 4, uh, all of that. Halo 3, rest in peace. God, what I would do to just spend one day. You know, on they uh, finally closed there. the servers like a, just a couple months ago. Really? Yeah. Like it was still going strong until a couple months ago and they're like we just can't keep this up anymore it's been years guys let it go <laughs> nah man we'll have it die hard and uh you know we've aged ourselves a bit here we're both uh younger millennials you know i'm the confound millennial which means i'm not good at being one i suck at technology what's the most unmillennial thing about you, bro. To tell you the truth, I still got a VHS player. <laughs> <laughs> like I still stream shit. No, excuse me, poop. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. I stream stuff. I don't. Care. Um. Okay, but I'll like I'll be the first to say like I love raiding my local Goodwill when it comes to like getting games. That's actually how I got like half of my N64 games growing up because. 
Um, we, uh, bro, at least where I live down here, it's like, you can tell you just, the parents are just kind of going through their kids old crap and they're just giving it away, not even knowing. And last time I went to Goodwill, I ended up getting this lot of games where I got like Mario Kart 64. I got Super Mario and uh, Diddy Kong. I mean, this was some time back, but like, you know, I, I go through there, bro. I still have my VHS player. I have um, almost the entire first season of Pokemon on VHS. And I know I can stream it on Netflix, but like, it's not the same, man. You know, I want to put my damn video in there, hit rewind, go pop myself some popcorn. That's beautiful, man. Still rocking the VHS player all these years later. That's an antique. That's a relic at this point. Man, I wish I could find it. Bro, just the other day, I was cleaning out a drawer, and I found an unused Blockbuster gift card. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you keep like you keep mentioning that video game corner off, or off in the distance, and I keep thinking about while we're talking about retro games, I'm... Uh, Currently, you staying with some friends, and my closet is just filled with retro gaming stuff. And I see the, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but the, like, NES gun that they use in Smash oh, Bros. The, the Zapper, I think it's called. Yes. I have, no, no, not the Zapper, not the, not the Duck Hunt gun, but the one with the scope. Oh, crap. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at that right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you might not think of yourself as a nerd, but, boy, you're rocking a VHS player. You're watching Pokemon on it. Welcome to the nerd club. Yeah, I, I guess to, to, to finish that, I was obsessed with Yu-Gi-Oh! growing up. I mean, to this day, I still love playing. I just don't know, like, all the new rules of, like, the games and all, but my my childhood bedroom was just covered floor to ceiling with like Yu-Gi-Oh memorabilia, posters, action figures. I had every damn dual disc that came out on there. My eighth birthday was Yu-Gi-Oh themed. We were talking about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh on my last episode. Uh, had a magic card shop owner, and we were talking about how Yu-Gi-Oh somehow is still in business. Nobody buys it, but it's somehow still cranking out cards. Dude, I don't even know. Like, I I saw that they like redid the series, or like, there's like express duels or speed duels now, where you buy a deck of forty cards, but there's like two or three different decks in the. I don't know. I, I guess they're trying to make it accessible to everyone, but like, once they introduce all like the synchro summoning and pendulum summoning, all this crap, I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm just trying to summon my god cards. So back to top tier, uh, sure. reeling us back in. Uh, who writes the lyrics? You know, I think it's uh, it's a blend between Felix and I. There, there's never one like set way when we go about writing our music. Um, sometimes it'll just start with uh, Nico. Well, we have a little bit like a band chat. He'll just be like, "Yo, hey, I just wrote this riff." He'll send us a demo of it. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll just be I might have some word vomit that I'll just throw into the chat, and then Felix is there trying to decipher it and you know, give it some rhyme scheme. Um, but I think that's what I love most about this band that, you know, everyone kind of contributes in their own way. And then by the time we get to take it to rehearsal, um, you know, it's just like this living, breathing project where someone provides a riff or our drummer will provide a certain fill. And, you know, it's kind of just evolved slowly, but surely. And then there'll be times where we'll open up our Dropbox and we'll look at a demo that we wrote 
two years ago and we'll be like, oh, wait, yo, we can totally use that. Uh, yo, run back that riff. And, you know, we're out here copying and pasting old songs and creating new stuff. And um, that's what I love about these guys. You know, no idea ever gets permanently shelved. And that's, but as that, for lyrics, it's like Felix and I, for the most part. That's a great thing about a band. Like it's great when a band comes together to write the music and it's not just one guy handles this part, one guy handles that part, but it's everybody together. That's when you can tell in the song, everybody is invested equally. Absolutely. And like, I love it that, um, See, uh, I went to school for music business for like artist management, but Nico and Felix went to uh, school for engineering. So um, I love it because we get to kind of both take the best parts of our education, put it in together and put it into this project. But it's great. Every time I'll go over to, to Felix's house, he'll have, a, he'll have a session open and we'll just be there sitting through plugins. And my normie ass has no idea what these things are doing. I'm like, yo, hey, what if you chain this together? What do you do that? Um Bro, bless his heart. I'm I'm so glad he can dumb things down for me when it comes to the production side. Uh, but there's always something new coming out. Just yesterday, Nico uh, sent us a demo for like a surf rock song, and we've never written a surf rock song before. So uh, I was listening to Ego Trip and over it, and I realized, you know, the lyrics are kind of sad, but you got this get up and dance vibe to it. What's the deal there? Why don't you just stay sad? Why don't you just stay happy? Why stride in the middle? It's the beauty of dynamics. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it's fun to kind of sit around and soak in your sadness and be, well, woe is me, you hurt me. And I feel like we can still do that, but we love, we're sad, but in spite of that, we still want to be able to have a good time and write upbeat, like music, you know, it's that crazy dynamic that, kind of they complement one each other you know what i mean right it's uh i you know i'm not judging for it i love it um you know i i ask everybody what inspires the lyrics and almost everybody i've ever asked has said one thing and even like i'm talking about a chip tune band uh that i had on you know making music with game boys they all answer the same thing. Crippling depression. Hell yeah. Let's, let's, let's all be sad together. No, no you know, I, I would say definitely um, writing for me has been always like a cathartic experience. You know, like sometimes I just might have something bothering me and I'm just going to type, type it into my phone. You know, I have notepads on notepads of just like emotional vomit. And sometimes, you know, it'll manifest itself into a song. And uh, yeah, honestly, I, I, I like to credit therapy for that, you know, to not keep crap bottled in and just, you know, write your feelings down. And uh, every so often, you know, someone will present a song and I'll be like, wow, this is a great song. How can my sad ass contribute to this? It's like, uh, you know, I can't sing with the flip. I barely play guitar enough to say that I can. And uh, I got notebooks on notebooks of songs I've written, and that's just my therapy. You know, you just uh, you got to get it out there into the into the void sometimes. Yeah, and and a lot of that is being able to allow yourself to be emotionally vulnerable. You know, because for me, you know, my lyrics are my innermost thoughts, and for me to 
for, or I say for us to come together and to kind of put this onto paper and kind of create a song. It's, it creates this confidence of like, wow, okay, it's okay to not feel okay sometimes. And even in so you get this beautiful artistic, like final product. And it's, you know, I've, I'm, I've only been with this band for a few, like, you know, like I said, about four and a half years now, but I would say probably in the past year and a half, two years is where I've started to feel my most comfortable and allowing myself to, you know, be vulnerable. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's being received well the way it is so far. And we just want to write music that resonates with people. And it is so far. <laughs> um, I mean, I saw you guys as uh, Spotify wrapped and that's, it's really impressive for, you know, how, uh, I mean, I can only find two of your songs. Yeah. But, uh, you know, honestly, we, we, took off a lot of our old catalog from before. Cause as I said, we, we put out two like EPs DIY. Um, but we just said, Hey, this is going to be a brand new start for us. You know, that's not to say the old music will be used again. Cause some of our greatest hits are from, from that, that era. But uh, yeah, we released our first single, which was ego trip. It was I think April, not April, like August of last year. You know, we, we basically had about four to five months worth of like, music on during in, in 2020 and even in that short span i i feel like it's been received really well um you know a lot of our like our older fans a lot of our older friends you know really enjoyed uh what we put out after kind of just uh you know going under the radar for a little bit and just kind of gathering our bearings back together and you know reforming and recreating the sound um but you know I'm, I'm a student to to the industry i'm a student to the game and i you know since we've been working with our label i've just kind of been learning the methods to the madness, you know, why are songs created the way they do? What's the effective marketing strategy, you know, how to target your actual demographics. And, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot to take in, but I'm, I'm having a blast of it, you know, seeing how music comes to be. It's a smart move uh, doing a soft reboot like you did. I've been uh, with the podcast, you know, I've realized podcasts and music, they share a lot in common. And, uh, you know, I've been arguing with myself whether to delete the first season altogether when I was running with a Guitar Hero mic or not. <laughs> but I'm like, no, this is a story. Like, people got to know where we started out. I just pray to God they don't start out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, like, even, like, I tell my, my other friends that are musicians, like, they have content that they might have released three or four years ago, you know, it might not have gotten that much attention, but I always tell them like, Hey, put it, put it in perspective. Like, yeah, your friends down here in South Florida got to hear it and they, I'm sure they enjoyed it. But what about, you know, Sally in Nebraska, you know, what about like Carl in North Dakota would probably never hear music. Like the luxury and power of the internet has given us this opportunity to just like push content to stuff people have never heard of before, you know, and no, it might be old to you, but it's going to be new to somebody else. And, that's kind of like the cool part I've learned about, you know, like marketing your stuff. Like there's always a new listener somewhere. So uh, we talked about therapy briefly, uh, just mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And I saw that you've talked about mental health before on another podcast or interview. Is there anything, uh, you know, I go, this podcast goes by the three M's music, magic, 
and mental health. Is there anything that you'd like to say to the fans with uh, or in regards to mental health while we're talking about it? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and give you this PSA of like, it's going to get better. You know, like I, we, we can do it all day, but I've, yeah. what I've learned through therapy is that you got to be brutally honest with yourself and look at the big picture of things, you know, like for me, like I, I have really bad anxiety. I'll be the first to say that. And I've been the type to like, kind of let these itty bitty tiny things like kind of pile on to each other and overwhelm and like kind of just like would take the best of me and, you know, start creating these thoughts that I know that aren't necessarily true. But, you know, if, if, if there's one thing I could tell people, it's that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to talk about your emotions. I, I feel like, especially living in Miami, there's this really toxic like culture with like Hispanic masculinity where it's like, you need to be this macho man all the time and you can't let anyone pull you down and all this crap. But like, hey man, we're, we're human. You know, we, we go, th- we all go through a whole slew and array of emotions and, you know, it's okay to let yourself go through things and feel things for what they are. Um, you just can't let it overtake you, you know, practicing mindfulness, looking at things, big picture and knowing that these things are only temporary or, or kind of what helped push me through whatever obstacle or burden I would have on me. And on a, uh, even deeper note here, I, yes. uh, an old co-host started this question or the next couple of questions and in his memory, I always carry them on. Sure. So what's your favorite color? Oh, uh, burgundy. I, well, wines, reds, burgundies. I, I, I love, I love anything remotely warm tone. I, uh, if you were to go into my closet, it's like nothing but fall colors. And, uh, another question from him is, you know, uh, Let's say we get back to a norm of concerts and touring. And let's say you happen to find yourself touring through a state called Kentucky. Can I play the cowbell for you guys on like one song? Just one song. <laughs> Bro, it's uh, bring your own cowbell. I'll get you on stage. In fact, I'll, I'll even do you better. Now, I'll, I'll give you a cowbell and I'll give you a China symbol. And when we play a song with a breakdown, I'm going to let you decide what people are going to crowd kill to. Yes. <laughs> I swear one day, one day on my Wikipedia page, is just going to be a list of bands I've played cowbell for. And that's all I'm living for right now. Listen, if we win any award out of it, I'll make sure to send a, a golden cowbell your way. <laughs> <laughs> Hang it on the mantle, run the fridge, you know, show your parents. So speaking about speaking of touring, um, is there, you know, obviously there is, um, what band band or bands would you die to tour with? Oh man. I think, you know, we were talking about sad lyrics and all that, but Mayday Parade is like hands down one of my favorite bands. They're also, uh, you know, they're, they're a Florida band. I would love. To tour them you know if they're out here listening you know uh there's there's a fanboy in miami that wants to see y'all but no, i would say uh mayday uh i got a neck deep poster here big inspiration of mine um no nah, 
I would, I would give a limb to open for Green Day. I would say that is the band that threw me into music. If I'm being 100% honest, you know, I, uh, and I, I've loved them since, since day one. I mean, the first album I truly listened to back cover to cover was American Idiot. But, uh, you know, I remember getting Dookie when I was like nine years old. Uh, which is funny because, you know, my I, I came from like a religious family and my my mom wasn't always big on like, oh, hey, you know, you want to listen to rock music. It's the music of the devil. All that crap. Um, <laughs> I feel that. But I feel that personally. I kill the Tory Green Day. A thousand percent. You you bring up Mayday Parade. Um, Mayday Parade was the first real concert I went to. A girlfriend yeah. uh, dragged me to it. And it was where I learned of bands that I listen to to this day that were opening up for them. I don't listen to Mayday Parade all the time, but all of the openers I still listen to. And there, as it is, This Wildlife and Real Friends. Bro, I was heartbroken when uh, Dan left Real Friends. I hope they 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 form do something or make a comeback because like he he has such a way with words, man. Um, I saw this wildlife. I don't think it was the Petaluma tour, but I, I know which tour you're talking about where they open for uh, for Mayday. And um, God, I remember discovering Patty Walters like as a YouTuber. Loved the music that he did, and then he's like, "Hey, I got this whole band thing happening now." Comes out with as it is. And the last album they came out with, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but they the Great Patty Depression. just embraced the entire like emo look. And I turn around and he went from this blonde kid to like, it's not a phase mom with the eyeliner and black hair. I was living for it. I'm I, so proud of my kid. I saw him uh, play uh, during that tour and he came out and what he would say is, uh, Hey, I'm Patty Walters. We're as it is, and we're the My Chemical Romance you remember from when you were 15. <laughs> and I would be there shrieking like a fangirl because I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so those are the bands you'd like to tour with. Um, what bands have you played with that are just friggin' great guys? You know, I think the the most random show I think we have ever opened for, but we played a show with with a lot like birds, um, and it was you know because uh, we there, there's a promoter down here that uh, you know he's uh, great at what he does and um he had asked us to just you know sling some pre sales for the show and uh, I think that was the the biggest show that we had played to date and I think we had only been a band for like a couple of years um i didn't get a chance to really talk to them per se but uh that was the first experience i had with like you know seeing what a real touring act is like what goes into the day-to-day of like yo okay you know we got to set up a merch we have their meet and greets we have to do our our acoustic sets this and that and like just seeing that from afar really kind of inspired me and then like i know some artists don't like the the logistical grind of stuff but seeing all the planning and stuff that went into like a big production show, a big act kind of just kind of just reinforced, like, you know, this is what I want to do, man. You know, I, you know, we've, we've been given a really great opportunity to do stuff now with our releases and hope we can kind of get to that level where I got to worry about like, damn, what time to sound check in the morning? When, when do I got to go set up the merch tables, this and that. 
So, um, what do you have any, uh, oh yeah, I remember. What is your, uh, sorry, I keep forgetting this one. What is your, uh, favorite venue that you've played at or like weirdest venue? You mentioned well, backyard shows, but like, what's the weirdest place you've played? Weirdest place? Well, I want to say it's my favorite, but the weirdest place I played to date was um, up in Tallahassee. They have this festival called Gain Street Fest, where uh, they kind of closed off because it's like where all the college kids would kind of come out to listen to music. They closed off about three to four square blocks, of, like this tiny little town area, and any business, anything that has a front door gets converted into a venue. So, you know, we saw our friends play inside of, like, little bodegas and, uh, you know, play inside of, like, little candle shops and stuff. But the weirdest place we played at was literally in the patio of a hot dog restaurant. It was, like, <laughs> little concrete slab, you know, little tiny awning. You got a bunch of these college kids passing by, sloshed out with, like, a drink in their hand, like, hot dog in the other. And all you look off to our left is just these pictures of psychedelic hot dog looking men inside costumes and stuff oh uh, that's weirdest one but favorite weird venue i can say i played was uh we had this uh this venue called the granary out in little havana down here in miami and it's exactly what it sounds like it's a big cuban-american uh you know uh neighborhood and this venue was located on the second story of a tire shop so during the daytime, you have a bunch of mechanics coming in and out, you know, changing up the lug nuts, changing up crap in your car. And then after sundown, they all haul out and a bunch of emo, weird alternative looking kids are coming up, chilling out the side of your, your venue, smoking a cigarette. Um, but yeah, it was just this like second story space of the tire shop. Um, it had no elevator and it was like the steepest flight of stairs like you'd ever climb in your lifetime. And as the basis, of course, I had to have the damn four by 10 cab because, you know, the, like I didn't know what the hell DI was until recently. Um, so probably got a hernia trying to load up uh, into that venue. But I miss it. You know, it's I, I miss all the grit and grind. I miss friggin' stuffing my SUV in a capacity where I can't even look out the back mirror full of our gear it's it's crazy you know once you don't play shows you start missing all the little things it's uh it's crazy you know uh just uh all the you know i've got some buddies in a band and just all the work that goes into setting up for a show and if i ever wanted to ride along i'm throwing myself over the drum set in the back seat like hoping that we don't get pulled over <laughs> literally but you know I, I even miss going to shows and buying overpriced gears man what I, I would do to have a nice cold budweiser i just paid 13 dollars for in between what waiting for a band to set up but so uh talking about weird venues i just wanted to throw out if you ever get up in the north georgia region it's going to be your favorite venue and your weirdest venue at the same time I'll Call, take notes. Lay it on me. Write it down. It's Cloud Springs Deli. An actual deli. I was moshing one second and chowing down on a Reuben the next, and it was heaven, baby. <laughs> All right, hold on. Duly noted. Do you uh do you have Publix out in Kentucky? Uh I don't know. I'm I'm relatively new. You know, I just mentioned Georgia. 
I just moved up here a few months ago. Okay, but I'm assuming you at least had uh, a Publix out in Georgia, right? Yeah, I know what a Publix is, yeah. All right. Now, this is because we're talking delis here. I've been telling all my friends, Publix needs to branch off. It's a deli. Create a standalone pub sub restaurant, like a Subway or something. It's going to earn them millions of dollars. I have an unhealthy obsession. I love Publix chicken tender subs, and I may or may not be part of a Facebook group that's hubs on sale. And I may or may not be able to tell you right now that they are $2 off, and you should get one. <laughs> this is not sponsored by Publix. Not sponsored by Publix. But I thought you were about to say you played a show at Publix. You know, oh, shit, I'd kill for that. <laughs> I've, uh, have you ever heard of Winn-Dixie? <laughs> Yeah, and I got one right around the corner. I've played it one. Wait, what? I've played a show with a Winn-Dixie, and that's a memory that has been locked away until you said that. I forgot that I, you know, I was in a band for like a year, and we played a show St. Patty's Day for an event at a Winn-Dixie. Uh, like inside the grocery store outside the grocery store but like right outside the grocery store we set up a stage and everything (laughs) that's awesome crazy times man oh man i don't know what the way things are when shows start becoming a thing again we're probably going to be hosting shows inside of dry cleaners hospitals friggin you name it post offices wherever you can man do it straight up hey listen if you got a pa system and a group of friends you have a show yeah. So, are there any upcoming projects that you're allowed to talk about with Top Tier? Well, I can say we secured the license to uh, a cover of a really it's it's one of those songs where it's retro, but people still remember it. I wish I can go into more depth of it, but it's definitely a song that has been on the table for a while. And we kind of just jokingly said, hey, let's cover it one of these days. And we got an arrangement for it. And um, our A&R, A&R guy told us that he had to chase down uh, a lot of people just to get permission for the song. But um, what I am allowed to say is that we did just get green. We got green lighted for three more releases uh, through a label. So it's interesting. You know, you got to create all the music and then kind of present it out to the funders. And they kind of, uh, you know, they sign off the checks and all that. Um, but we have three new singles that have been approved that, uh, you know, we're kind of creating, a, I guess, a timeline of how we're going to do things, working with our, the marketing company that's handling our releases. Um, but it's I, I can definitely say that there is always going to be something in line. And that's what I love. That that brings me so much joy because, um, you know, music is, is consumed differently nowadays. You know, you don't go out and buy your favorite album for an artist anymore because artists, artists just don't put out albums. It's the single route. Put out a single, put up a video to support it, music video, lyric video, what have you, um, and just kind of keep the demand going. And, and that's what we're trying to go for, man. You know, release the song every couple months and, you know, let, uh, let the audience speak for itself, you know? Keep on keeping on because I like what I've heard so far and I'd like to hear more. And uh, whenever you guys start releasing these new singles and that cover, especially, I'll make sure to share it on our page. Uh, You know, anything we can do to help you guys out. uh, It's not much, but we like we like what we're hearing. 
Hey, we, man, I, me, listen, but... I don't care if I'm putting it out to one person or a million people. If we can push the good word of top tier to new virgin ears, I'm living for it. But that's the thing is you with art, with any art, it's you you can't care about wanting millions to hear it. You got to care about that one person it's going to affect. Exactly. You know, and I think about like I, I, I've been that super fan for some like bands and for some artists, you know, like I, I'd much rather have 10 dedicated fans than like 50, 50 wishy-washy ones, you know, like. And, you know, it's it's just like when you're running a business, man, you want to really give back to your audience. You want them to know that, hey, I appreciate you for what you do, because like and I'm sure every artist says it. But for me, it's the joy that I get to bring to people when I get to perform music for someone else. You know, like I had people tell me like, hey, I've been having such a crappy day. My girlfriend broke up with me. I lost my job, whatever. But, you know, I came to your show to have some fun. And that brings me so much more joy than any notoriety or clout can bring, you know. And like I'm still a fan, man. I'm 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 a fan that writes music. So, is there any? Uh, we're coming to the end of our time here, and so I gotta ask: Is there any last words, special message that you'd like to give to your fans out there about Top Tier? Well, uh, to all the listeners hearing us right now, you can find us uh, on our social medias. We're uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Top Tier FL, that's spelled T-O-P-T-I-E-R-F-L. Uh, you can also find us on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. If you can shoot music and out of it, we're probably on there. Um, you can pirate us on LimeWire if it's still out there. Uh, and then we do have our uh, our Vivo channel. It's uh, Top Tier TV is the YouTube channel. And uh, do you have any merch? Anything they can do to support you at the moment? Uh, you know, I kind of rediscovered an old uh, batch of t-shirts that I want to do put back up online. So, uh, give us a follow on our Instagram. We'll be having a post up on there soon and, uh, we'll do everything in our power to get, uh, your hands on some, uh, brand spanking new top tier merch. Nice. It was great having you on Chris. Uh, I had fun and, uh, you know, as always stay saucy, you ho bags. This has been The Confound Millennial, starring Steven Sturvin Michaels and featuring Christopher Thomas of Top Tier. Don't you pretend that you're better off alone, and I bet it would be easy if you had some sort of PCC. Get respect for yourself, is it you or is it me?